Welcome to Metagamers Anonymous, a program dedicated to tabletop role-playing games and mostly related material at a presentation of Prismatic Tsunami. My name is Eric. I'm Rich. I'm Joe. And I'm Vanessa. And this is episode number, I just had it in front of me, 275? 275. Wow. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Doing great. Start of a new week, hopefully a better one. Yeah. Right? I am, I am out of tax <laughs> season. Things are looking much better in my life right now. Well, we decided to get really creative around uh, my place, and we picked up and moved the whole house to a different state, which was the first thing I did the, between this show and the last one. Then, uh, while we were unloading one day, Jonica decided to break her fucking ankle, which uh, what made the rest of the move fun. That's why you have two. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, you got another one, lady. I don't understand what the problem is. But uh, apparently there's like pain and swelling and a lot of not moving if you can help it. And uh, She's dangerous on crutches, though. You got to you, you see you hear her coming. No problem there. But you got to dive out of the way because she that's a benefit. She's always dangerous. At least the like, crutches, you know, she's coming. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> right? Jonica. She's always dangerous. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I wanted to made the joke about the other ankle unless I was in another state. Yeah, which <laughs> right. you are. This is the first time uh, we've done an online version of Metagamers Anonymous for a while. I, I, I'm missing the studio already, but I, I get to still see everybody's faces on Zoom. So, uh, you know, we can all make faces at each other still, which I think is probably half the fun of the show. I did look just because the last time I did a Zoom recording of one of these was 256. Yeah. Two, what? Two, in a minute. It was episode 256. Episode oh, episode, oh so is, is that a date? What am I doing? No. Like 20, 20 eps ago. Yeah, episode 256 was the last Zoom recording that I was on, at least. Because I still have all my raw files. I have no idea when that was, but I bet it's been a couple years, maybe? Been a hot minute. June 19th of 2021. Oh, well, so about a year. At least that was the day we recorded. So we're, we're talking um, pandemic you know, the, the obviously the point at which we didn't need to do this online anymore for whatever reason. Yeah. And uh, we had started gaming, I think, together in the last, because that was last summer. Is that last summer? Yeah. 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 We had started gaming when everyone in person was again. vaccinated and safer to be around. So the, uh, that's the funny thing about um, like our Monday game, the one that uh, Joe's in that I run, uh, it started online because it started in the pandemic. And then, like, uh, after the better part of a year, we went face to face with it. And it, you know, it was, it was interesting because it was the first time, uh, we'd gotten to play in a campaign with Joe and Alicia. Yeah. And, uh, so that would meant that we were halfway through a game before the first time we got to sit at the same table and play in the same campaign. You know, and halfway obviously is, is hyperbole, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it changed the feel of the game, interestingly enough. I mean, for the better, you know, but it was yeah. a really different experience. They're very cool. And you guys have been a lot of fun to play at the table. I'm gonna, really, really going to miss that. I know you were having fun with Alicia's mini collection. That's like, a lot of it right there. <laughs> I, need, I need a shadow dragon. She went, what color? And you went black. She went, oh, I have that exact one. Here you go. Yeah. It was uh, it was pretty intense the way I could walk in and yeah you know, a lot of times I'd bring my own maps that I'd make not that there weren't plenty that you know you guys could pull out and uh, on one occasion I was sitting there say okay so well it's, maybe we should do this on a map it's a big throne room and Joe's like pulls up a picture on his phone and says well something like this work and then starts drawing it out on the board yeah. Just right there and just and and Alicia goes to her collection and starts pulling out props and a throne and pillars and <laughs> just all kinds of stuff that made it fun. I wish I had that kind of collection. It messes with you, man. It's 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 a fucking cool tool, but it, it really changes the dynamic of things. Just in a lot of ways, the same way that playing online with all the, the lighting tools and stuff did for us, because it changes so much about the way you think about your characters, your person in that space. 
I do like the lighting tools. It's it's the same when you have those kinds of uh, things at your disposal, I think, because I, I've often had varied opinions, and we've talked about it on the show before, about the maps and minis, because I, I never want to turn the game into a Monopoly game, as Jonica fondly refers to it, where you're focusing on what's going on on the board instead of what's going on in your imagination. Right. You know, role-playing is an experience that requires you, the way we approach it, generally speaking, requires you to, you know, maintain a certain awareness of character and what they sense in the world is your window into that world. And how you react in character, how you perform in character depends on that. When you take it to a macro view, you know, it changes all that because you're seeing things differently than your character does at that point. And you're and you're seeing them in a broad representation. Obviously it's not a 3D immersive world. It is a drawn or printed or map and, you know, little miniature things that generally don't move and you move around to do the thing. And you don't want it to become a game that's all about just moving the things around to do the thing. Right. But I think <laughs> that was so articulate of me, wasn't it? I, I, but I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that experience uh, with you guys. It may be part of it. I think uh, one of the things that's really helped my enjoyment of the game at that level has been moving to smaller groups, which wasn't intentional. I like large groups. I like seven players. That's that's my ideal by table because I feel like, for one, how often do we get on here and we can all talk about the same games? You know, they used to happen all the time. Now there's advantage, pros and cons to that. Obviously, doing a and doing a podcast. One of the great things about having people join me, like like when Joe and Alicia first joined the show, it's like you guys have a different background, different play experience, different games every week. So you have other stuff to talk about, <laughs> which is, you know, fucking cool. But. And, I, and I think the switch to smaller groups was part of the whole pandemic thing. Yeah. I mean, a, a group of seven is fun at a table. A group of seven online Not is so problematic. Much. Not so much. And we did five or six with, um, I think, Nero's game that she was running for a while. We had, but, but in the end, it still ended up like uh, Justin didn't stay with it very long. He had things in life pop up and... Um, was there somebody else? Jason never joined, I think is what it was. He was going to and never did. So it still ended up being a core group of like me and Rich and um, I think Kid and uh, Ken. And for people online, it was fantastic. It was really an easy game. And, you know, there's a lot of dynamic there. There's a lot of fun role playing. There's a lot. And, and now you look at like um, the uh, game I'm running that we are using all the maps and the dynamic lighting effects and the, the it's a very dungeon oriented uh, D&D game. And it could expand a little bit. It wouldn't be a problem. What do we have in that? Five players right now? I, I, I think, think I saw Vanessa right. do some counting. <laughs> I gotta go because she's doing it with her hand. <laughs> so when she starts taking off the shoes for the extra counting. <laughs> no, yeah, it's five. Five players. We, we can do five. And it works. Um, it, it could probably even soak up another person. I think the fact that it's it's so visible, visual, and you actually do the majority of the game, we have the tokens on the map. You know, they're, they're, everybody has control of their own character and what their character sees and all that information. And because we're role players, I still get a lot of, we could take the map out of the game and it would run just fine. It'd be it a largely similar experience from the player character perspective, not so much from the player's perspective. You know what I mean? Uh, because for us, seeing that and having all that kind of always in front of us and the ability... And consider especially the fact that we got people like Kid who has characters, one character in particular, who had a tendency to kind of wander off. Right. Because he was doing that on his, on the map, his character was still only experiencing what he could see. We lose track of the party, and then <laughs> suddenly it's like people can't see each other. Where do we find people? Are we going to get back together? We don't know. It really made it realistic yeah. in that way. 
And, and one of the cool things on the map was like my character can see really far in the dark. It it's you know it's mm-hmm. nice, and the fact that I can spot an enemy and I know they're there, and it's not oh can my character see it? Am I thinking this through? Would my character have known it? It's like no, I can see half of that token. My character knows that's there. My character can take a step back or go into stealth mode, and I can let you know that that's happening. That's that's kind of been my rule with it too, and I don't. I imagine different gamers would handle it differently. Different GMs would. Uh, if if a token is on the map, just like the player characters in Roll Twenty, everything is on the grid, right? I mean, you don't. I think you can set it up so it isn't locked to it necessarily, but the tokens all move yeah. with the grid. So if I have an enemy token behind a pillar or around a corner, for example, the token is in that five foot square, and it is visible or portion of it is visible to anybody whose vision comes at an angle that cuts across that five foot square. So my decision is that unless I have decided that that person is hiding, which I have the ability to put them on the GM layer in the map, yep. if they're hiding, then if you can see part of that creature, you see some motion or something. You know something is there. If you, as a player with your character's vision ability, can see enough of it to identify what it is, then that means that your character can see enough of it to know, oh, that's an orc over there. And because it's slicing through a round token, if I just see the edge of a token, I know I may have heard something or saw some movement. I have no clue what it is because I have no clue what it is. I think that's, that's kind of it. a cool that's way to handle token it. I get. You get a little piece of the token, you may have an idea. I got a question for you, Eric, because I've never ran with the dynamic lighting. Sure. As the GM, can you see all of your players' visual lines of sight on your layer? Uh, Not without cycling through them. You have the option to, what it is, is there's a hot key. You can click on somebody's token and hit, like, Control-L or something. When I think about it, I can't remember, but I do do it automatically. But, like, if I want to know, just like you're saying, if I want to know, oh, wait, can Richard's character see that guy? I can click on his character real quick and take a look. Okay. And that way I can include that information in my description and my expectations. That's exactly what I was wondering. Or no, more importantly, if I can see a fountain, then you can explain what the fountain's doing without describing the fountain before anybody sees the fountain. And it is important to know because, again, with the different visual abilities, because some people rely on light and don't have dark vision or whatever, uh, that means different characters can see different things at the distance as well, like Richard was talking, which means that if I'm describing something, I'm going to start describing something specifically to Richard's character that other people right. can't even see. The other thing you always got to remember is that, like, say it's a fountain. Fountains make noise. Yeah. So even though, you know, what distance do you hear that noise? Is it is it going to be before the 60 feet of dark vision or after it? You know, things like that. I mean, you got to kind of gauge that as a GM, decide how you want to include yeah. that in your information. But that allows you to say you hear running water. Right. But as you get closer, you can start hearing it trickle, and then you can now see it's a fountain. For example. Person, he'll say you hear running water, and I'll be like, oh, wait, is that a fountain I see right there? Yes, it is. Or he'll say you you hear running water, and the barbarian goes, oh, sorry, and zips up his pants. And nearest human with the bullseye lantern turns, so she's pointing it a different direction, so she can see. (laughs) Oh, my God. She insisted on this, too. She got herself uh, a bullseye lantern, which in the uh, there is a way in Roll Twenty, and I, I haven't messed with this at this level of, of play with any other virtual tabletop. So, if you're listening and you know that one of these other VTTs will handle this shit a lot better, feel free to let me know. I'm very curious. But since to get access to a lot of the services and options on these um, platforms, you have to pay 
I'm only going to pay for one at a time and I already know roll 20. So it may not be the best and that's fine. I understand fantasy grounds is amazing, for example, but it's more expensive. Uh, but the, uh, the, the roll 20, um, VTT allows you to set up a cone of light or, you know, like at a, you could choose the angle, the, the, you know, so you can see, choose how, how big the angle of the cone is and the distance, et cetera. And remember, it also allows you to set up like bright light and then like dimmer light on everything. So like with the, uh, lantern, you can't really see, it's like holding a flashlight in a dark, dark room, right? You can't really see anything that isn't in the cone of light from that lantern. But you also can't see anything unless you turn it that direction. And so it's set up basically one direction off of her mini. So it's funny because you'll be, you'll, I'll be looking at them and I can never remember which direction she's looking without, you know, doing the thing. And so I'll be looking at them and they're, they're moving their tokens around and hers keeps turning. So hers will be upside down at some weird angle on the screen. Because it's the head. Yeah. It, it just because that's where she's looking. And it's like, and the things will be happening. Now, the downside of that is, and this kind of is one of those kind of nebulous areas. If you are using that kind of lantern, like a flashlight in a dark, dark room, and something moves close to you from a side, from the side, for example, there is zero chance she can see that on her screen. Right. You know what I'm saying? On yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like the sound of water, you have to describe if she would notice movement. And, and, uh, I mean, I mean, you can hear her or whatever and, and say something. In she can dark. turn. She can suddenly turn. And I mean, she has all that autonomy. And that's fine. But... You know, how, how how does that feel realistically? You know, it's like built-in jump scares. Yeah, <laughs> turn your no. oh, token. What yeah. the heck? Now, Where did that come from? <laughs> ching, 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 ching. Oh, dragon! <laughs> if you've ever been in somewhere that is very, very dark with a flashlight, even with you a flashlight, you can't see what's next to you. I I guess the only, I mean, scientifically speaking, the only exception would be if you are in a place where the the reflection of the light from the flashlight on a surface creates some sort of ambient light. (sighs) Which is deep diving in on it, but yeah, you get that point. No way to reflect that, obviously. I did an escape room once that was in the dark, and all you had were like little like dim lights even. They weren't even great ones. We had six people, and we were scaring the crap out of each other, let alone anything that was supposed to be scaring us in the room. (laughs) They they didn't need to put things to scare you in the room, did they? (laughs) Oh, no, they they still did. It was a a vampire-based room, so it was occasionally, like, the casket at the end of the room, you would hear a banging noise. So anytime anyone did that, all of a sudden you'd hear everybody get really quiet, because all of a sudden we were just like, what the hell? (laughs) I I will say, the other cool thing on that is that the bullseye lantern going a little bit further than my dark vision, I could tell what I would be able to see, because you could see what it's lighting up further than your dark vision is going to reach and i could tell what her light lit up that was within my range of being able to see it so that does make that one less thing i have to think about that's true and that's a good point because uh, where i said i have to look at her character i have to do the, the look thing to see what she can see where she's aiming that's because on my map everything has a certain amount of light already so i because i as a game master i can see everything right i don't have that lighting turned down so uh the characters, though, can see any light source, obviously. If somebody's carrying a torch, everybody can see that light range. Yeah, and so that matters with her bullseye lantern because, you know, 120 feet out there or whatever, everybody can see that. It was a weird sensation. It was out at, up by the Black Hills. I was up there at Mount Rushmore a little while ago. And we did a cave tour. Pretty area. And in one of the big rooms, the tour guide turns off all the lights and it goes completely pitch. And then they turn on a flashlight. And you can see where this tour guide is shining the flashlight and showing you some cool crystals. 
Uh-huh. But me standing 10 feet away from the guide watching, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. I, I literally picked my hand up, and the only reason I knew it was there is it was blocking yeah. the uh, light that on the wall. There's a, a physical impediment between you and the light. <laughs> so, it, so it definitely is realistic that if she has that spotlight, if it's in a dark area, that she wouldn't see something coming up from next to her. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I enjoy the sense of that in the game and the kind of the lesson that that teaches you, but it becomes very dramatic when you're doing it on the map with all the lighting effects, and I think that's kind of neat. Obviously, I mean, the funny thing is that everybody that has 60 feet, you know, dark vision all around them can see whatever's coming up beside her and right. yell. <laughs> that, and that's what It's like. coming or, to get you. Or forget that, what? also realistically, or forget that Octavia can't see any of what's happening right not gonna lie that happens a lot yeah well you know your characters <laughs> if your characters have dark vision they're not necessarily paying a lot of attention to where the light is shining so exactly. <laughs> there's a reason i try no matter what if i have a character that doesn't have dark vision i try to find a way to give them the light cantrip i'm like i just i light up my sword so i i, I could see Nira hates it when you put light on her pants. I don't know why. None of her characters seem to enjoy the experience. She's otherwise very stinky. But when you do that... (laughs) Put it on her backpack. That way she keeps trying to turn around to find where the light source is. Oh, that's mean. We did have um, one instant where a kid's character got separated from the party and he had no light source and did not have dark vision. And, uh, or he was, he, he was in a lit area or a a lit enough area. And so he didn't really think about it. And then he ran into trouble, nobody else around and had to flee and flee it fled into darkness because he had to go a direction that he hadn't been yet. And so on the map, all he can see is his token and move around, but he can't see it's pitch black around him. And it, I mean, you could tell, and I ran that separately with him because everybody else had to go. And I was like, well, let's figure out what happens to Riddle before he, you know, <laughs> see if he survives the next several minutes. Yeah. And I mean, he was freaking out. <laughs> he was freaking the fuck out. It was fun. It was great. You but, still had that maze with those magically dark halls. And we had to navigate our way through sucked. the maze by bouncing our icons on the edge of where we could walk. So we couldn't see the floor. I'm running the um, I'm running. It's a classic first edition super module called the Desert Desolation. It was originally three adventures um, that came out in the 80s that uh, were kind of combined for one you know story. Uh, Pharaoh being the first one, and in it the big uh, climax is a raiding a, a pyramid. It's a huge dungeon. So if you've ever run this or experienced this, you'll know exactly what Rich is talking about because Cordan's Master Maze level of the dungeon is a bitch and it's this way in the original um the, the original construct and i had to come up with a way to reflect this with the lighting basically the idea was that there's all these kind of passages and in through the doorways outside all these passages was this mist that you couldn't penetrate with light and it would obscure everything when you walked into it you again couldn't see your hand in front of your face or anything it was this reddish rust colored mist had this slightly like sulfuric scent, and it was disorienting. So like when you're in there, you, you actually have, you lose kind of track of directions. I mean, I, but most of it's always in areas where there's only kind of one way to go, even if it's curved around a wall or something, you stumble out one way or the other. It was tough enough to reflect this in theater of the mind play back when I first ran this adventure years, you know, uh, 25 years, 30 years ago, I don't know. 80 but, years ago. Uh, but doing it on the map meant that I had to come up with some way to do it that reflected the idea 
but gave the players a way to actually use their tokens and do the maps. Cause that was one of the premises of this campaign that we're doing is we're going to do this whole thing, you know, and I'm converting, uh, sorry to say, if you, if you, if you love the idea, you would love to run it. I, I mean, you'll have to do a lot of legwork if you want to do it like this, because converting this shit to use it in roll 20 is a massive undertaking. Fortunately, converting it to five E not as big a problem. There's a great uh, document on uh, DMS guild. I think that a guy put up that has uh, it was a cheap, cheap PDF that I, I picked up that had all the conversion information. And he also did some other stuff. He's got like a twist up. And I'll show, I'll throw that stuff in the show notes. Um, a twist up version that he is what he called it, where he takes like the principles and concepts from the original adventure and kind of like, changes everything a little bit, you know, he changes the plot a little bit, does some stuff. And like, uh, I used some of that, like in the original adventure, the, the party starts in this kind of, uh, thriving little desert town called Bralazar. And, uh, it had like, uh, they, they, the guy that gives them the quest is there and there's some other, you know, the chance to buy gear to go into the desert is there, all that stuff. Um, but he had this idea and the twist up for making it so that this was a town that was kind of, you know, forgotten and in ruins and half buried in sand and, I liked it. <laughs> so I, I, I'd run the other, I'd run the beginning of this adventure a few times over the years. Cause I started this, you know, it's a big adventure. I'd started it and it would fizzle like happens sometimes. So many games die at like level eight. I think this one's going to go, I'm going to go ahead and, and the, and it's D and D characters start at like fifth level beginning of the adventure. It's, it's, you know, it's mid level. It's very, uh, very easy, easy play region. I guess, you know, you can do a lot with it as a game master and have fun. Boy, there's some tough uh, creatures in those conversions. <laughs> some tough fights. But uh, he did a nice job. I, and I'm having to moderate a lot of that based on what I feel like the characters are capable of because they're, you know, there's no typical adventuring party anymore in my mind. You know, it, it just really depends on what their skills are. But anyway, long story short, I, uh, I, I set up the maze and I put in the lighting and I put in darkness in the areas of the uh, uh, filled, you know, hallways, the passageways that were filled with the mist. But then I left, since there was not darkness beyond them, I I knew that their lights with their vision ability would shoot through it, right? And so they'd be able to see there was something out there. So what I did was I came up with the idea of also having an effect that kind of halved the distance of all their visual ability. So it felt like the darkness kind of pressed in. So lanterns, you know, put off just, you know, half the light and their dark vision was only half as far. And so they couldn't really see much beyond any hallway. They could just see that there was something over there. So it gave them something to try. It worked out really well. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I feel like, I, mean, I know there was a lot of frustration, but I, I can recommend uh, that it's, it's a fantastic adventure. Very classic, you know, if, if, if you're looking to have that experience with your players, even if you don't use all the, the maps and stuff. I also found a guy... Um, uh, God, I don't even know if I could find it again. But there's a guy, if you do a search, you can. I found a guy that posted high-quality maps that he had made of the maps from the adventure, the dungeon maps and stuff. And I'm using those because they're much prettier than the original, like, black and white drawn, you know, uh, printed maps from the adventures. It's 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 a fun one. It's, it's out of the classic adventures, which there's several out there that are far less dynamic and are more typical sort of dungeon crawls or... It is, uh, it has a lot of flavor. It has a lot of, uh, uh, I mean, it, just a lot of cool stuff to play with. Uh, the ancient alphabet was kind of cool when they did a super, they did a, the super module kind of edition of it. They, and had some other writers get involved in that. Uh, one of them came up with doing a kind of physical, like alphabetic alphabet. And so a lot of the ancient writing, instead of telling them there's writing they couldn't, they didn't know or something, I could like, like literally show that, show it to them. 
And after a while, people start kind of deciphering the writing. And you can play it the other way if you want to. And like people can make checks or whatever and see if they can figure things out. But uh, it was kind of fun. And after you guys got it down, I didn't even bother. I just kind of told you what the inscription said. There's a lot of really good old modules out there if you're willing to put in the legwork to convert them to fit. And like I said, a lot of people already have. Yeah. You just look. The very, when we first started fifth, Alicia started by converting the uh, Lost Island of Castanamere up to fifth. That's a crazy adventure, too. It's got a lot of like. Every room has doors that randomly go other places and shit. Yeah, that was the thing that was messing with us. It's like, oh, you go through the door, you're in this room. You go back through the door, you're now in another room. Yeah, you just you, and that's how you find out as the players. It's like you go from room to room, and suddenly somebody's like, "Let's go back," and you find out you're in a completely different place. Yeah, you did not go well, back it, where you just came from. It it really messed everyone up because my character, my character was going back to get something we left in that room and ended up somewhere else and panicked and tried to come back to the party and ended up like completely, <laughs> oh, even and it better. took us like it took us half a session to find each other again oh no that one would be hard to do on a map yeah she because we were doing that in person she drew each room to scale and would just lay down all right you're in this room oh you went through that door hold on and she'd flip through and she had like however many different rooms there when she'd pull out another and be like all right you're now in this room and lay it down on the table ah. That's when great. Jesse had I us in Roll Twenty doing something like that, um, she had the different rooms in different areas, and she kept blacking off one area, moving our tokens to the other area we we're going to go to, and then telling it to recenter the screen. And so she popped us around like that. That's and, awesome. Uh, if we got separated, then <laughs> we wouldn't know where each other were. Because I don't think in Roll Twenty there's a way that you can have some players on one map and some players on a different page. Yeah, you can. Can you have them on different pages? I, I think. don't think you can. I think there's I just you tab. There's the GM pages. tab, and then there's the player little. Well, the GM can look at whatever see. tab they they click on. But there's a little player oh. flag that you hang on. Yeah, I don't think. But I don't think you can put individual players on so, different maps. They're like all on what, the same map. With what Jesse was doing, yeah. she had to do all that on the same page, probably, she and kind of use the black, the, like you said, the kind of the blackening. Uh, to what you could do is you could have players without an active token on the current map you're looking at, and then you have to flip between which player's map you're looking at. Yeah. Hmm. That's uh, challenging. Uh, I that was a really fun module, but it was insane that that was how she decided. <laughs> we had never played; we'd played like six months of D anD D in three point five. This was the first time she was DMing. Never touched fifth or the old school stuff, and she's like, "I'm just going to take this old module and convert it to fifth. Did she have a physical copy of it that she was messing? No, with we or? found a PDF copy of it yeah. online, and we had her dad's old AD anD D player's handbook. And that was that was it. That's great. So I uh, I recently moved, like I mentioned, and uh, funny thing happens when you move. (laughs) You 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 see pretty much everything you own at some point in the process, uh, the packing and unpacking process. And um, yesterday, uh, well, ostensibly um, Jesse and I said that she's visiting, helping out. Uh, Jonica broke her leg and. It's, she's been a huge help with the, the sorting and unpacking and stuff. Uh, yesterday, we sat down in the garage and went through the game library for the convention, the the games that I have, and made sure that everything I, I had everything that was on my list still, and made sure that the games were good. Went through a lot of them to make sure that all the pieces were there and stuff. It was you know laborious uh, because there's a good good chunk of games there. 
But in the process, we're also going through a lot of boxes that were marked RPG, you know, books and stuff that I, because I, when I pack, when I pack, I do not put 40 D&D books in one box. Oh. Because I don't have, I don't have a forklift. Yes. When I was younger, I used to fill boxes, big boxes with books because you think, oh, here's one box that I can put everything together in. No, that's not what you do. Small boxes for books. Yeah. Um, this, this time I had a lot of boxes that had like eight books in them. <laughs> that's fine. Years that's ago, over the summer, I worked as a mover for two summers. Hated it, but yeah. I did that. And there were multiple times that we'd show up at someone's house who packed themselves, and they would have huge... I remember one time it was one of these old, like, when they were making the 40, 45-inch CRT TVs. Oh, it my was God. A box Ew. for one of those full of books full of books That's to stupid. the top and we walked in saw that and just said we'll, we, nope. we gave them a stack of small boxes and said we'll come back tomorrow because you need to move all those <laughs> into the small boxes it, when i had a uh, bunch of books to move what i did is i got the little itty bitty boxes that the um like walmart uh the shoulder bags mm-hmm. the, yeah the little plastic bags come in they're small boxes. You could probably only put like five books in a box. But so what? <laughs> you, I, yeah, it was so much easier to carry. I would never tell anyone to do this because obviously this is wrong. So don't do this. But you can go online to the post office website and get their flat rate twelve inch by twelve inch by five inch boxes for free. And they'll send you cases of those for free. Now, obviously, it's for shipping and it's not for packing books yes. in. You only yeah. do that if you're shipping through UPS. Absolutely. USPS. 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 Yep. Priority mail. Yeah. Priority so mail. you make sure you're using it for that and not for books because they're a great size for After books. you move with them, if your boxes are still in the shape they should be, you can use them to mail stuff. There you go. Yeah. Just got to pay priority shipping prices. Right. <laughs> we do not represent the United States Post Office. <laughs> That's why I started with saying, don't do, do this. You would never this do this. This is not advice. This is not I, advice. I worked for USPS customer service for years. And uh, one of the things, that's a conversation I had more than once with a customer on, online. No, you can go get the shipping supplies. No, those are only for priority mail. No, you are not permitted to use those for personal. Do not go to the post office just to pick up a bunch of boxes to do something of yourself. But, you know, what? <laughs> they're why, not checking. Why would you go to the post office? Why would you go to the post office? If you go online, they'll send them to you for yeah, free to you your house. Yeah, go to the postal store on usps.com. Just tell them you need a couple cases of it. Send them right there to There used you. to be no upper limit. And, you know, if you were a really bad person, you'd get a hold of someone's address and suddenly they'd have like 50 cases of boxes show up at their door. Now, the reason that is, is because they want to, if you because so many small businesses operate, you know, out of their home or in, in residential areas. Yeah, you know, it just it made sense to make it so that you could buy in bulk or you know get get those items in bulk so you can ship. What they need to do if they want to protect that is make sure that they have like bulk rate customers set up and right. those are the ones that have access to that. Now I haven't looked into this years ago. This was probably fifteen plus years ago. No, it's still the same. Still I same. would never have done that, but you know, I know of people who would send, you know, cases and cases of Because I because I have a small business and we uh with the tea company, we we ship all the time and I just get I just like you just like you said, I just get them to send we use the padded envelopes a lot for priority mail. Because yeah. I, I prefer shipping priority. It's, yeah, it's then you expensive have tracking and everything and insurance. Yeah. <laughs> we sell the right. shit. There's yep. a good reason to have insurance on it. But anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it was uh, it was fun. We went through boxes and unpacked books and books and books. And I tell you what, I, I, we're sitting there because because Jesse hadn't seen a lot of them. Yeah, and some of them were falling apart. And I'm sitting here looking at her going, you know, so th- there are books here that are older than you are. There's a few of these books here that haven't been used since before you were born. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I keep them <laughs> right. because you do. And you know, at some level, you feel like there's always stuff. Some of it's just pure nostalgia, obviously, but there's always things that are going to be useful is the idea. And the adventures and the monster books and stuff like that, there is potential for them to be useful. Clearly, adventures, though, that's my favorite. And I have a lot of them I haven't touched in years. And I sit there and think... And getting hold of the physical ones now, some of those get quite expensive if you want the physicals. Yeah. Well, nobody's going to sell them in the condition mine are, but (laughs) that's fine. Oh, you'd be surprised. I'm not looking to sell them. No, she doesn't listen to podcasts. I've been looking to get a hold of a copy of Lost Island just as a gift for Alicia. And there's people who will sell just the cover that got ripped off for like 40 bucks. I've got it somewhere, Joe. I'll get it to you. Okay. I'll just give it to you. That's that's a great adventure, but I've run it. I, I don't need to run it again. I just think it would be a cool gift because that's how she yeah, started as that's a DM. Fun. I, I, pretty, I, I don't know that I saw it yesterday because a lot of stuff we kind of like pulled out and just kind of put in stacks, but I'm right. pr- I'm about 85, 90% confident I've got it in that shelf in there. I had the weirdest thing happen to me the other day. I got a, I got a book I kickstarted. Um, there's a, uh, it, it's a, it's a gaming system, a cinematic system. Uh, Mora? It uses, uh, yeah, Mora. I got. I actually ordered the went ahead and paid for it. Got the book, and so it that. arrived. Yeah. I pulled it out, and I'm like, "This book is really light. It's a big, fat, thick book, but it's really light." And it was confusing me. And I'm over there at Vanessa's, and we're sitting here talking about stuff. And I pulled the book out, and I'm like, "Feel this. It's light." And they lift it up. They're like, "Oh, yeah, that that's a lot lighter than it feels." And they grabbed another book that was like about half the size, and it was heavier than the Mora yeah. book and I th- there's fewer pages it's like thicker lighter paper weird so it's a good strong st- yeah. sturdy paper but it's all light and it's it's weird experience but it smells like a book and I have not owned a physical book in a long time it felt like a book made of styrofoam it, it really <laughs> did I kept, I kept flipping through the pages making sure there wasn't a hollow thing and there was so, some sort of hidden treasure so, or something so they were kind there. of afraid to like you know they're gonna be brittle or something right they're, they're sturdy pages they're just they're thick have you had a chance to check out the system yet? You had a chance to look it over any? I, I was looking over that. That's what inspired me. I'm I'm probably going to start running another game because I'm like, oh, I'll do something with this. And I started looking into that. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, and then I was, I was looking at that. I was on my OneDrive and I'm like, oh, I forgot I had this Beasts and Barbarians thing for Savage Worlds. I could do that. And I'm like, oh, or I could also do Macho Women with Guns. <laughs> because looking at all the beasts and barbarians, half-dressed women, made me think of Macho Woman with guns, which is great for satire. And uh, I think we 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 I finally settled back that I'm going to end up doing beasts and barbarians because I actually know the the uh, Macho Woman with guns has a D20 system version, oh. and then their original version, which is something completely different. Right. And we're lo- we're all familiar with Savage Worlds, so I'll probably do that. Although it was done in deluxe, uh, even the steel edition I have, but um, have, you, have you looked to see if they've done a slate? It's got a update? slate conversion. Oh, cool. it ab- absolutely does. It's a free update. Cool. So that's there, and uh, so it'll be. I don't know. I'm probably going to rent a thing. I've, I've I've already set up a portion of a Discord. Um, a OneNote <laughs> like, thing like you for do. players, <laughs> right. and a OneDrive thing with player supplemental information stuff in it. You so, had a hyper focus moment, didn't you? 
Rich? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Und- what it is tax is, season and he doesn't know what he's going to do with all his time. I'm putting <laughs> off reading the information I need to run the adventure. So I'm setting everything else up, which is the stuff I enjoy doing. That's fair. So, I, like, literally, what I want to do is I want to be like a GM's assistant and I want to do all the technical stuff and run, run up all the stuff and then they can handle the story and the reading. I'll hire you. The technical stuff is a pain <laughs> in the ass. <laughs> That's the part I enjoy. I'm not. I'm not young anymore. I don't. I don't need to do all this shit myself. <laughs> Speaking of which, there's a lot of um, a lot of question about doing online gaming for TsunamiCon this year. If uh, if you're just tuning in and don't know, TsunamiCon is happening live and in person this year, October 21st through 23rd, if I remember correctly. Uh, you think I know by that the off the top of my head? Yes, I yep. I had the tabletop website open. You should know that off the top of your head. Come Whatever, on. lady. <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be at the uh, Drury Plaza Broadview Hotel in uh, downtown Wichita. Uh, beautiful hotel, a really great convention space. I'm I'm looking forward to to mess with it. We don't have a lot of the breakout rooms that we usually do, so I don't know that I'll be able to do as many kind of featured events and stuff. But we're going to work into it as best we can, and we are definitely going to have gaming space. So. I, I'm excited. I, I'm excited. It, it's going to be nice to get back in person again. I'm hoping that people are as excited as I am, but initial responses look promising. That that location downtown near the Arkansas River, or we call it Arkansas, but because everybody else wrong. outside of Kansas calls no. it the Arkansas River. It is the Arkansas River. <laughs> Not everyone River. in Kansas calls it that. I promise. <laughs> it's <laughs> okay. change names when you cross the border because of arrogance. I, I was, think it does. I remember. Whatever. Now, I grew up in Kansas mostly, and I remember being taught that in school that it was Arkansas because we live in Kansas. But if you go out of Kansas, everybody calls it Arkansas. <laughs> they weren't even talking about the I, river. They were talking I about the state. I learned on a Same trip thing. to Colorado when we said we lived on the Arkansas River, they were confused. Um, what annoyed me made us sound like what annoyed me when I moved to Wichita, especially because I was doing radio, and so in radio you got to make sure that you colloquially pronounce everything correctly. Yeah, is there's a Greenwich Road, Greenwich Road, on yeah. the east side of town, and everybody in town calls it fucking Greenwich. Yeah, and I uh, <laughs> when I moved out here, it was Greenwich. Yeah, the <laughs> other one was the city nearby El Dorado. Well, and I lived and, in El Dorado for a while when I was young, so I've always called it El Dorado. But, I, but yeah, I came from Southern California. I've seen that it's El Dorado. It's the city of gold. And mm-hmm. I got out here and had people legitimately not know where oh, I meant when yeah. I called it El Dorado. It's <laughs> not that much of a stretch. Well, it is when you're east of Augusta and they're like, oh, you mean El Dorado. <laughs> uh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Welcome to Kansas, son. It's it's local thing. But you notice I said Arkansas first because I know the podcast is... A little more than just Kansas. National, international. <laughs> yeah. 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 Plus, we have friends that live in Arkansas that think it's funny. But <laughs> we definitely had uh, some interest in continuing to do an online portion of the gaming for the convention. And it's it's kind of tough because everybody that I know, like present company, that is intending to be heavily involved with the convention, it intends to be heavily involved in person. You know, I don't know a lot of people in person who who actually live there or are planning to be there who are going to do a bunch of online gaming at the convention. Why would you do that? Give me an outlet and Wi-Fi, I'll do it. We did pick up a lot of online players this last couple of years who are not in the area or the country. I played with a few people not local that were awesome, too. So I'm going to be stuck at that vendor booth so I can still get some gaming in. Oh, dude, that's perfect. (laughs) That is perfect. (laughs) 
I, I really would like to encourage people um, to consider that. Now, especially if you listen to the show and you can't make it to the convention, let me know if there's a strong enough interest to do the to to set up the online portal. I don't see any reason not to. I mean, I I don't think it would be a lot for us to go through the trouble. But you got to remember, to run it right, we have to treat it like a real convention. So we have to make sure to have volunteers for the help desk. We have to make sure that we have somebody making sure the games are making. The other thing we might do, and it's going to be hard because we have a hard enough time getting a weekend to start with is do a physical convention on one weekend and a virtual condition on a second weekend. That's an interesting possibility. It'd be a holdover. It'd allow online-only people to do it. It'd allow people who had a great time at the convention to then continue playing online after the convention on another platform. Let's 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 toss that about a little bit. I, th- I don't think that's a terrible idea. idea. Yeah. Again, um, feedback. If you, do you want it at the same time? Do you yeah, want well, a second I, one? Do I you would, want it, whatever. You're right. I think I don't think there's any downside, right? Because uh, people who aren't going to be at the convention <laughs> aren't going to care whether or not the convention is going on at the same time. In fact, it's going to cut into their option to play because right. there's not going to be as many people available. Whereas people, like you said, you know, like yourselves, if you wanted to do some online gaming too, if I set it up a weekend, well, the week, there's the tough thing, by the way. The weekend after is Halloween weekend. Right. The weekend before is fucking tax weekend. <laughs> so yeah. I know which one's scarier and it's not the one with the costumes. <laughs> and Halloween weekend, and, and this is this is a problem just in general in the virtual space now, but Halloween weekend uh, already has other major conventions you know, rolling around online, including um, Holocon, which is the big Savage Worlds one that Pinnacle does. Mm. You know, so that was one of the reasons I want to make sure I wasn't on that same weekend for the convention because right, a, right. a few of our GMs won't ter- be terribly interested in being there. If, you go you two know. weeks out, you lose the energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, mean, I was about to say, like, doing the spring game fair that we did, the, mm-hmm. but then that doesn't tie into the convention very well. well it's a separate thing. Right? This, there's so much gap time. We didn't do the Tsunami Game Fair this year because I just had too much other shit going on. and You were going to another state at the time. I was moving, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot happening. Uh, Jonica moved out here because I'm living in uh, Alamosa, Colorado now. It's in the San Luis Valley. Yeah, it's a beautiful. You might as well just give me your address. Oh no, it's it is <laughs> well, all uh, eight, six people no. out there. Yeah, I I'm not terribly worried about it. I don't. I I I do want to say where I am because if anybody happens to be a listener and is in the area, I want them to know I'm in the area, obviously. Because I got to tell you guys, I discovered recently I don't have the first fucking clue how to find gamers around here. There's no game stores. The only thing there is is a hobby town, and I understand they do have D and D games and stuff. They have like a like a little mezzanine area or something above where there's tables and shit. So, but the one time I went in there and talked to a dude who walked up because, you know, it's Hobby Town. I walked, I, I walked in there, looked for the game stuff and it does, you're there for 12, 20 seconds before somebody walks up and says, can I help you find anything? So I, I started talking to the guy and I mean, he was a younger guy and, you know, he worked at Hobby Town and there I am standing in the D&D and board game section and I start talking about it and I think you might think somebody like that would volunteer the information. Oh yeah. There's people to get together here and play D and D all the time. No, he actually didn't know anything about it, which obviously he didn't. Well, that just sounds like you need to open a game store slash tea shop. (laughs) (laughs) A soft tea shop shop. You know, it's on the list. (laughs) It's not. Of course it is. The the problem is whether or not this community would support it because of course I'd have to pay for, you know, a, a business space somewhere to do it. But uh, there's not any other tea stores in town, I can tell you that. A lot of coffee because, you know, America. 
but yeah. I, I, I guess I definitely don't know how to proceed. You know, I, I've, I've done like searches online for like groups on Facebook or something, you know, it's Alamosa gamers, you know, not coming up with anything. So I just got to figure it out. But yeah. So if you happen to be in the area, feedback at prismatics, best way to get hold of me. Uh, but yeah, we moved up here and I mean, Jonica moved up a few weeks before I did. I, I moved her up here so that she could start her new job. And then I had to go home and, and the kids and I had to spend the next few weeks packing up the entire house and, and getting it ready to move. And that was a fiasco. And then, like I said, during the move, she broke her leg. And I mean, it has been just it, it, anybody that listens to the show realizes that our already staggered schedule for metagamers was a lot more staggered than usual. I and I hope to fix that. I honestly do. I want to get back on a schedule now that we're doing this online and we got things set up and it's just a matter of finding the time and everybody's schedules a little weird right now, but we'll work it out. We'll get some we'll get some podcasting in like this and talk about some shit. Now for the local people coming up here June 4th. Local people in Wichita. Local people in <laughs> Wichita. There is a uh, game day coming up, I know. Yeah, uh, we're going to do a we haven't done this in a while. So if you haven't been to one, I definitely recommend checking out. It's a lot of fun and it's free. There's a Tsunami Game Day happening at The Burrow. Borough Gifts for Geeks. It's on the east side of uh, Town East Mall over there on uh, Rock Road uh, behind. Uh, is there is there Wendy's there just now? south of Douglas. The, they, yeah, the, the Wendy's new Wendy's is, is open. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, just south of Douglas right there. It's it's. Uh, I, I always like to say where it is because I don't even. Sometimes they have signage out by the road. Sometimes they don't. But apparently they don't have a license it's, for that. It's so, tucked yeah. away. <laughs> it is a hidden and actually, place. They just, built, they, they just tore down and built a brand new Wendy's in front of that's even bigger. So it's harder to see that figures from the road. But it is a it is a very cool store. If you've never been there, you know yourself. They have opportunity to check it out anyway if you're in the area. Uh, I definitely recommend I and I'll, I'll hear from people sometimes who, who do not live in the area who come to town for some reason and say, hey, I stopped in and checked out the borough, like you said, and I uh, love it. It's it's a it's a cool store to begin with. And they have gaming space and we do events. There. I spend way too much money there on dice yeah, on everything. Well, yeah, there's any such thing as way too much money. I got my wallet dice. there. My I bank a, account disagrees. <laughs> I have a, I have a Star Whatever. Trek wallet with a classic Star Trek insignia. I still use that I got from there. So they got all kinds of cool. Actually, stuff. Johnny has a couple purses. She's picked up at least one is, has a rebellion symbol on it. Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, and they, you know, they have t-shirts and memorabilia and collectibles and all kinds of stuff. And they, and they have a nice section for game board games and role playing games and stuff. I mean, they have a lot of uh, a lot of stuff there. And, and there's gamers that uh, host games there most nights of the week. And if you get in on any of that, they, you know, people spend money during that too. They often have sales. They have great deals on stuff. They, you know, you can get snacks and drinks while you're there. And they're good people. And oh, and, yeah. and and Derek Burroughs, guy uh, Derek Katina, they're they're amazing people. Their 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 family is really cool. They're great to hang out with. And they're great to game with. Uh, Derek's old school AD and D guy, you know, goes way back. And so we've had a lot to a lot to discuss over the years. And so we do these. We started doing these uh, before we even did the convention. It's actually it's one of the things that led to the convention. But we do these game days and we did them seasonally for a long time. And now because of the pandemic, it's been a couple of years. We even had one scheduled for earlier this year, and right when we did, there was a sudden surge, and we were like, well, maybe not. You know, everybody else was canceling shit, so let's cancel too. That was Hello, right when I, yeah. yeah, that was when I had COVID. Yeah, January. Uh, so here we go, June fourth, uh, coming up. It's uh, it's at the borough. It's it's uh, starts at one o'clock in the afternoon after they they open at like noon. Uh, so come on by and get in on some gaming. There is a uh, sign up. Online, if you go to um, 
gosh, I'll put the, I'll put the link in the show notes. But <laughs> I was like, well, if you, I mean, you go to Facebook, and, no, if you go to Tsunami, no, if you go, to, well, I mean, the link's from everywhere, but that's not the point. But yeah, we, <laughs> if you look for the event on, on Facebook at the very least, uh, or, you know, like the show notes here for the show, you can find a list, uh, listing for it for games that are already up. There's already a couple of games up. And, uh, and I'm, I'm sure going to we'll be putting more. up a game here in about in a day or two. I'll get it up online. Cause I, so before this found, drops, <laughs> yeah, before ideally before this drops, but I just found out about a, uh, a new role playing system. Oh no. Yeah. What's it called? What's it called? It is called spice punk 1997. <laughs> oh, God. And I'm going to read the little top part of this. It says the year is 1997 and pop music rules the world. From their secret headquarters inside Big Ben, groups oh of Spice God. Girls <laughs> in tour buses are dispatched to solve all the world's most dangerous problems with girl power and music. Oh, it's a so better world, good. a brighter world, a Spice World. So I'm going to be running a game of Spice Punk 1997. <laughs> you just broke Richard. <laughs> oh, that is so good. I'm going to let me go look I up wish that, I could be sign there. that up on that. Okay, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. And I thought the Wendy's game was good. <laughs> yeah, I have officially found a game to top Wendy's. Dude, oh, I, you will have to come on the show and talk about that one. Yeah. That is fantastic. I, I, I just, it's like a combination ooh, of Spice it. World and uh, uh, Powerpuff Girls. Yes. I like. Well, it has stuff like you create your tour bus and you have to pick some of the strengths, but you pick problems. And one of the problems is the annoying driver that won't stop singing meatloaf songs. <laughs> Apparently, he will do anything for love. Yeah. Uh, but we, not that, though. But not that. Not that. No. Not that. Uh, so, yeah. Would it, you stop singing? No. So no. It, is, it is free. <laughs> the event is free. Uh, it doesn't cost anything to get on the gaming. If you want to secure a seat at a table, uh, like Joe's game that is posted, you will yeah. need to uh, sign up online. I mean, you could show up, and if there's a seat available, obviously you get on the game, and that's great. If you do it online, it will cost you a couple bucks because we do have, uh, yeah, we we, have, we use tabletop events. It's a great a great service for this, great system for this, but they charge me a couple bucks per ticket, so that I pass that on to you. But uh, otherwise, you know, and, and if, if and if you want to support the you know prismatic tsunami community and everything we're doing, you can buy a commemorative badge for like ten bucks. But those are not necessary, obviously. So all that's available online. I uh, I definitely wish I could be there, guys. I'm gonna miss this game day. Uh, I was actually thinking about trying to make the drive back, and then you know what happened when Jonica happened, and I don't want to I don't want to leave her alone all weekend here. Uh, it's going to get better. Obviously, we would. We're still considering the possibility of getting to Wichita for Anime Fest uh, in late June, in which case I'll I'll make a point of seeing you guys, obviously, and um, uh, see if uh, some of you want to help out at the booth or whatever, because we'll be promoting both the tea company and selling tea and promoting the convention and selling convention badges. Speaking of which, I'm going to open scheduling for TsunamiCon this month. So if you got ideas for games you want to run for the con, I know it's a few months off yet, so it's it's hard to really rely on that. But I want to make sure and allow people to start listing stuff if they do want to, because of course that's a good draw for people that sign up for buy you know, buy tickets. Um, but it'll be a while before registration you know, opens so that you can sign up for games, of course. But I am going to start selling badges. Right now we've been selling just the VIG stuff, and I've got a limited supply of those up. So uh, there's only a handful left. And then I, I'll see if I can open up more later, but I can't promise anything because we have to watch the numbers on that for the space that we have for the lounge and everything. 
get out there buy the VIG passes they're worth it you uh but, but those are available now if you want to and if you uh if you would want to wait for the general admission tickets we'll be selling those at the borough on site for game day uh, that'll be the beginning of that so um, you'll have to look up find Lynn she'll be there she'll have the she'll have everything she needs to sell tickets and of course she'll be able to get them online as well if you want to but there'll be a discount at the borough that's that's a thing that we like to do um, they're good people. We always partner up with them. They're frequently a sponsor of the uh, convention. Hopefully they are this year too. I don't, <laughs> I don't know yet. <laughs> I talked to them yet. But uh, there you have it. That's coming up. Uh, guys, I don't I don't really have a whole lot else to talk about. Is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up for the No, I just wanted podcast? to make sure I dropped that spice bomb. <laughs> that was definitely a spice bomb. <laughs> yes. I'm so, yeah. I'm so in, man. That is amazing. I also found a link to it and might have downloaded it already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I found out about this game on Friday on a bonus episode to a podcast I support online. And right when I listened to them playing, I'm like, well, I'm doing this at game day. <laughs> nice. I, I'm a little in the Spice Girls mood right now anyway, because I've been watching The Circle. So, <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> Spoilers. I got to check out episode. that show. I got to check out that Season show. Season four. Oh, uh, dude. Well, uh, thanks, guys. I really appreciate you coming on with me and talking about just, you know, general. It's, it's nice to catch up. It's just, yes. it feels like, um, I, I mean, it feels a little isolated, but we've been so busy that it's, it's hard to be that way. Um, and, uh, my schedule's pretty open right now, but we've got a lot of gaming in my schedule. And I'm hoping that more of that picks up now that we have kind of things settled a little bit. You know, Jonic is in some of those games, so we'll have to see how she feels. But, uh, of course, we still have, uh, uh, a schedule that we're trying to hit. And then um, if you listen to Exposition Street, we did recently record episode 60, which uh, was uh, Pig Trouble in Little China, which is just a really fun choice for us. Um, we had a lot of fun talking about it, and uh, I'll be dropping that. Should be It'll drop before this episode does, so it's already out. So uh, make sure you check that out. Now, if, you, if you haven't checked out our movie cast, we have a lot of fun with it. Rich and Vanessa and uh, Jason and the kid are on. And... Uh, uh, we just kind of talk about some of our favorite movies, uh, you know, geek out about it a bit, uh, criticize it a lot, <laughs> you know, what holds up, what doesn't. And, you say uh, some of our favorite movies. Most of them I haven't seen before. Which is part of the thing, actually. Vanessa's, <laughs> Vanessa was and horribly, her favorite. horribly uneducated in the, uh, the realm of, um, you know, geek lore from the 80s and 90s. So. 80s pop movies <laughs> there's definitely a, a lot of fun with that so uh yeah but it's it's a it's a fun show it, i think it's a fun listen and um we do have the discord channel if you want to get involved in in talking about anything in the movies or recommend movies for us to uh, check out we do we enjoy getting recommendations obviously so that's a thing as well and just hang in there guys tsunami cons coming we'll get a chance to hang out in person which we haven't got to do in a long time um i've i've got on good authority that a lot of our friends from out of state are going to be there which is super exciting. By good authority, I mean they bought their fucking tickets already. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. VIGs are obviously worth it if you're coming from out of town and want to get that full convention experience. We do have the hotel block open if you're coming to town. Uh, you can find all that information on our website at tsunamicon.org. So, we gonna say something, Rich? Oh no, no. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the spice stuff I just downloaded. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my god! I apologize. I got distracted. That's fine. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's like a two-page PDF for the whole rule spicy. set. It's spicy. Yeah, it's a two-page instead of a one-page, and then another page for "Hello, my name is such and such, aka such and such spice." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't think bulbous spice sounds that sexy. I may have to come up with something. Else. 
Um, everybody, uh, have a fantastic week. Thank you very much for joining us for episode number 275 of Metagamers Anonymous. Getting on out of here. My name is Eric. I'm Rich. I'm Joe. And I'm Vanessa. Good night, everybody. Thanks. <laughs> Bye.